Hi, thanks for joining us to listen to another message from Rumley Chapel in Cardiff, UK. If you'd like to know more about the chapel, then visit us online at rumleychapel.org or look us up on social media. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you, and uh, thank you so much for the invitation to share with you today. I know that uh, over the time that uh, Jenny, Grace, and Bethia and I have been able to come along, we've really appreciated the wonderful welcome we always get from here, and uh, we love the heart of the people uh, in what you're trying to do in this place and in the area of Romney. So it's great to be able to share with you. And uh, it's a real privilege to be able to share from God's Word this morning. It's always a privilege to be able to share from uh, the Bible and what uh, we seek to understand God is saying through it. And part of my enjoyment of being able to come today is the wonderful title we have for the series that is happening at the minute, To the Ends of the Earth. I love that title. And As we begin to explore our Bible passage for this morning, we want to hold this idea of going to the ends of the earth in our minds, and we're just going to explore that a little bit first of all. Uh, And as we do that, I'm going to take you to television. And uh, I, I guess for a number of us, we've seen our viewing habits change over the years. We watch very little live television now, apart from me when I watch sport. But apart from that, we tend to watch uh, stuff either on demand or it's things that we may have recorded as well. We don't watch it when it's happening. But when I was growing up in the 1980s and early 1990s, if I'm being generous to myself, uh, television watching was a little bit different. Uh, And you would be watching, and particularly when it came to watching adverts, Um, And some of the adverts at the time are the things that have stuck in my memory. And going to share with you one such advert that uh, I thought about, really, because of this title of the series, To the Ends of the Earth. And it's an advert from the 1980s for Milk Tray. Does anyone remember that advert like me? Some of you did. Yes, some people did in the first uh, service as well. All because the lady loves milk tray. This man is willing to jump off a high cliff, swim through shark-infested waters to get out to the boat to deliver a box of milk tray. All because the lady loves milk tray. How far will you go? Uh, In that example, I was just thinking about the commitment, the dedication there is to do that sort of thing. And when we talk about this title, to the ends of the earth, it expresses with it the undercurrent of what is going on is this idea of the commitment that is needed in following Jesus if we're going to go to the ends of the earth. How far will you go? These words to the ends of the earth come from Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The last word 
the last words of Jesus that Luke records him as saying whilst physically on this earth. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And as we look at that this morning, I want to suggest that this isn't primarily measured going to the ends of the earth in terms of the distance we might travel, but in terms of the commitment of our hearts towards Jesus that says, I am willing to be your witness wherever that may take me, wherever you call me to go. So it's with this light and with this question, how far will you, how far will I go for Jesus that we come to look at our passage for today, which is from Acts chapter 16 and reading the first 10 verses. And this morning I am reading from the NIV version, Acts chapter 16. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. We give thanks to God for his word to us. Let's pray together as we come to look at this passage. Father, we thank you for your word to us, written in the Bible. We thank you that it is alive and it speaks to us today. And so as we come this morning to look at this passage, our prayer is simply this. May our hearts be soft. May our ears be open to what you are saying to us through the Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How far Will you go? As we look at this this morning, I'm going to show you another picture. Uh, Who likes cake here? 
Anyone like cake? Yes, uh, I can see a number of people who do like cake. We like cake, and uh, uh, in our family, sometimes around birthdays, we have a caterpillar cake. And uh, I've got a picture of a caterpillar cake there, and uh, we've had various brands of caterpillar cake. I I don't know if you know about this. You may have heard about it, that there has been some controversy in recent times as Marks and Spencers, the original makers of the caterpillar cake, uh, some 30 years ago they began, I believe, have taken exception to one particular version of this made by Aldi's, and they have taken legal action to stop them selling their cake. So the original from Marks and Spencers is called Colin the Caterpillar, The Aldi replica is called Cuthbert the Caterpillar. Well, I I went on to um, find out a little bit more about this, and apparently, according to Marks and Spencers, they are initiating legal proceedings against Cuthbert because he is a poor imitation in terms of the freshness, quality, innovation, and value. So Cuthbert is nowhere near as good as Colin. So say Marks and Spencers. Well, that led me to look to Pinterest to see, I wonder what other examples there are out there of uh, imitations of Colin the Caterpillar. And here's one example. Uh, Maybe it doesn't look quite so like Colin or Cuthbert, for that matter. So here we have three different caterpillar cakes. We've got, um, we've got Colin, the one from Marks and Spencers. We've got Cuthbert, the poor imita- imitation from Aldi's, and uh, the DIY one as well. And if I can be honest with you uh, and talk about how I feel as a follower of Jesus, when I answer the question for myself, how far will I go? I don't feel so much like Colin. I feel more like a Cuthbert, or maybe even a DIY caterpillar cake. Where do you feel that you fit into that? And one of the reasons that happens for me is when I look at the examples of other people and I see the lengths that they will go to in following Jesus, and what it might mean to go to the ends of the earth. Let's have a look at Paul and Timothy. We're told that Paul comes to Derby and then to Lystra. This is the second missionary journey that Paul is undertaking. We can read the first one in Acts chapter 13 and 14. And if you do take time to read that, you will see that Paul goes from place to place. He suffers many things for the sake of being a witness for Jesus. Here is somebody who is going the extra mile to the ends of the earth. He is somebody we can really admire for his commitment and dedication to Jesus. Um, When I compare myself to the lengths that he would go to, I feel more like a Cuthbert or the DIY cake than I do Colin. I think Paul is a definite Colin in this example. But there's something important to note about Paul that we haven't in this series had the opportunity to explore in any great detail. But Paul wasn't always like this. 
Once he was a completely different man. In fact, his name was different. He was called Saul. And Saul wasn't promoting Christianity. Saul was seeking to end Christianity. Saul was one of the foremost opponents to the early Christians. He would persecute anyone who was a Christian. He was there to make sure that they would be taken off to prison. He was there standing approving of the death of Stephen when he was being stoned to death. That's the length that Saul would go to to oppose Christianity, to oppose the early Christians. Then, then he meets with Jesus. And his life is completely changed. It's completely transformed. Saul becomes Paul. The greatest opponent to the church, to the early church and the Christians, becomes the greatest speaker, the greatest evangelist for the name of Jesus. He changes completely. Now, Paul could have looked at his past and said, I'm no Colin. I'm not worthy to be used. Look at all the things that I have done wrong. Look at my failings. Look at the weaknesses of who I am. Who am I that I should follow Jesus and be able to go to the ends of the earth for him? And yet the transformation that Jesus brings about makes the difference. And Saul who becomes Paul will go to the ends of the earth, totally committed for Jesus. And I wonder for us, as we think about what it's like to follow Jesus to the ends of the earth, as we maybe answer that question for ourselves, how far am I willing to go? We can be held back because we look at things in our lives. Perhaps we look at past mistakes, the things that we have done wrong, the times we have let God down. Perhaps we look at our own weaknesses and we say, what have I really got to offer God? And what we need to hear is this. God transformed Saul who became Paul. And his limitations were as nothing to God. God could change everything. What was key was not Paul's past, but his availability and commitment for the days ahead. And the question for each of us, as we look at how far will I go for Jesus, is this, how available am I for him? How available are you for him? How far will we go and not be held back by our weaknesses, by our failings, but allow the power of Jesus to work through us. The example of Paul. And then we come to Timothy as well. They come to Derbe and Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. They identified him as somebody who had a commitment to Jesus who was willing to go to the ends of the earth for him. And so Paul wanted him to join them. Uh, And what's the first thing that happens as as he does join them? Well, we're told 
that Paul circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area. Interesting, because we can contrast this verse, verse 3, with verse 4, where it says, As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. What was that message that they were taking? Well, it was the message that we learn about in the previous chapter, chapter 15, in what we tend to know as the Council of Jerusalem. There were questions about what do you need to do to come into a right relationship with Jesus? How are you saved? How do you become a friend of Jesus? And the answer that was being given was believe and be baptized. In believing, you say sorry for the things that are wrong in your past. And you say, I will follow Jesus. And this is shown as you are baptized into his name. Believe and be baptized. This is a sign of the grace of Jesus working in your life. But there were some people who said, yes, you do that. But there's another stage you need to do as well. You need to be circumcised. And the circumcision was a sign of what we do in our strength about the law that you keep for God. And so it's in keeping the law that you put yourself right for God, with Jesus. This is a different message. Uh, and so the early church met and said, do we believe that you're put right with Jesus purely by grace, or is the works as well that put you right with Jesus? Uh, and they came to the decision, it's just by grace alone. Praise God for that, that it's by grace alone that we are put right by Jesus and with Jesus. But as Timothy joins them, he's circumcised. Is this going back on the decision? Not at all. You see, what's happening is this. Paul's missionary strategy was to go and tell the Jews first about Jesus. And for the Jews, if they saw Timothy, there would be a barrier in them receiving what he was saying because he wasn't circumcised. And so Timothy is willing to remove any barrier that will prevent the message of Jesus being heard. Remember the calling that we have the words of Jesus from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses. That's the key thing we need to understand about what we are called to do. You will be my witnesses. You will tell people about the good news of Jesus. You will share his love with them. And Timothy didn't want anything to come in the way of that. What cost? That was for him. And the question for us comes, as people who are called to go to the ends of the earth, how far will we go? What costs are we willing to pay for Jesus? As you look at the week ahead and what it holds and the kind of people you might be meeting and the sorts of situations you will be meeting them in, what does it mean for you to do, to try to remove the barriers for other people to hear about the good news of Jesus. That's what it means to be people who are called to go to the ends of the earth. What's the cost for us in the week ahead? How far will you go for Jesus?
Well, we need to now move on to some of the other verses. And of course, the question comes, when we say, I will go wherever Jesus calls me, and there's the question of where that might be, that we get so caught up on, where should I be? What's the right place? What's the exact thing that I should be doing? And I've got another picture to share with you here, which I I quite liked when I saw again. So I don't know if any of you uh, use sat-navs at all, but somebody who really wants to go in the right direction, and they've got so many sat-navs to help them get to the right place. You could say it's overkill in what they're trying to do here. Uh, And I think we need to recognize that as we come to look at this part where there is clear guidance from God, that we need to understand one thing that is this. We are called to be disciples and to share the good news of Jesus wherever we are. That's our primary calling. We don't need to get so caught up as to which country we do it in, which place, whereabouts, amongst whom. The call is the same for all of us. We're to be people who are people of the good news of Jesus. And we're called to share that good news wherever we are. But we need to understand as well, as is revealed in this passage, there are times when particular places and particular situations are there that God leads us to. There are times when doors get closed and there are times when doors get opened. And we have the example for Paul and his companions of doors closing. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. From a human perspective, it made sense to go to the province of Asia. Geographically, it was the next place to go to. Also, in terms strategically, you know, Colossae and Ephesus were, were important places. It made perfect sense to go there. But the door shuts. They're kept from going there by the Holy Spirit. Okay, where next then? So they come to the border of Mysia. They try to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go. You ever have those moments when you read the Bible and you think, I wish there was a little more detail. I'd love to know, what did it look like for the Holy Spirit to stop them from going to that place? What was the Spirit of Jesus doing that made them know they couldn't go beyond that place? The commentators have a lot of discussions about this. Here are some of the things that they say. The commentators say that uh, one of the reasons for being able to travel was because um, there was a word from a prophet, perhaps. Somebody said, don't go to that place. And of course, God speaks to us through the words of other people who speak into our lives. Another reason the commentators give is, is that feeling with inside of you about, I'm not at peace with this decision. And that's one of the ways the Holy Spirit leads us as well. There are moments we feel a real peace about a decision we make in a situation and moments where we feel a complete sense of unease. Another explanation they give is that there were particular circumstances. Maybe one or a number of them were unwell. Or perhaps there was a traveling ban upon them. Something I would suggest that in the last 18 months we hear and understand a lot more of than perhaps if we'd read this passage 18 months ago. But for whatever reason, they were stopped from going. Uh, and I wonder if one of the reasons they were, we're not told exactly how they understood that is this. If we were told exactly 
how the Spirit stopped them from going, we might be looking for exactly the same way to hear from God. And I've already given three examples of different ways in which the Holy Spirit leads us. It's about the openness to the Holy Spirit and what he is saying, rather than knowing the exact way he's going to reveal himself to us. But what's it like when a door closes? We can be very disappointed. Especially when we think we're doing something that is what God wants us to do. When we're heading towards a particular direction, we think this is what God wants me to do. And suddenly, the door shuts firmly. Not this way. It can happen in so many spheres in life. It can happen with work, as we think about what work we're doing. It it can happen with relationships with other people. It can happen in particular ways. We're trying to serve God. The door suddenly shuts. And we can end up being really disappointed that the door has shut. And when that happens, we can be dispirited. We can be angry. We can be frustrated. We can question ourselves. There are many different reactions that come out as we look at this. And as I was preparing, I just felt that maybe... There might be somebody here today or somebody who is watching at a later date who is living with disappointment at the doors that have closed. It was Alexander Bell who said, when one door closes, another opens. But often we look so long and so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one which has opened for us. And I just wonder if there's anyone who's seen a door that is closed and is living with the disappointment of that. And yet Jesus is opening another door for you to serve him. And indeed, for Paul and his companions, that's what would happen. These doors to these particular areas were closed, but another door was opened. There was a vision of a man in Macedonia calling to Paul, come over and help us. And I love the reaction that Paul gives after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Soon as God's way was made known, they left and they went to do it. They could have still been in that place of, we want to go to Asia, we want to go uh, to the other places that we've been stopped from going to. There could have been a battle of wills between my will and God's will. We could have been so convinced that they were right that they kept trying to get to the place they weren't supposed to go to. And for me, this is the example that I can relate to at times. I think there is a battle that goes on between my will and God's will. And it's so often easy for me to associate my will is there for God's will. And sometimes it's hard for us to distinguish between the two. But we need to have that openness And humility that says, I really will lay down my will because God's will is the one that counts. Because I'm willing to go to the ends of the earth for him. And so I just wonder today, is there anyone who, if you really examine yourself closely, can say, actually, I'm battling my will versus God's will. Are you able to lay that down and say, I will go to the ends of the earth. We're called to total commitment. 
We're called not to be a poor imitation. We're not called to be a Cuthbert or a DIY caterpillar cake. Sometimes we might feel like it. But we're called to be Collins. I wonder, what does that feel like and look like for you and for me this week? What does it look like to be determined to follow Jesus to the ends of the earth? Not limited by our past, by our failings, by our weaknesses. Handing those over to God who can do amazing things through us in spite of who we are. If we're available, can we give ourselves to him afresh and be amazed at how far he takes us? As we look at our week ahead, are the ways in which we can see things that we can do to remove the barriers that others might have in hearing about the wonderful name of Jesus? What costs might we be willing to pay in order for his name to be known? And as we seek to follow him wherever he leads, are we willing to lay aside the disappointment of our plans that may not have worked out and walk joyfully in his, submitting our will to his will for the sake of his kingdom? How far will we go? Will we go to the ends of the earth for Jesus? What does that look like for me? What does that look like for you this week? Let's pray. And Father God, just in this moment now, we come before you and say thank you that we have good news through Jesus. When we look at commitment, we need no look, fur, look no further than you for the example of perfect commitment and the willingness to go to the ends of the earth as Jesus himself came to this earth, lived, died, and rose again. He was prepared to be treated in the most horrific way, to be humiliated, to be rejected, to be treated cruelly, and to die for us. That's how far you would go for us, and we thank you and we praise you. Lord, as we seek to respond to that, Help us to understand how we can go further for you. We take a moment of quietness and stillness to just reflect on what it is that you might want us to do this week in showing our commitment to you. Lord, help us to hear you speak to us, not just now, but in the minutes and hours ahead. Give us soft hearts, eager ears to listen to what you might be saying. Help us to be wholly available for you as people who say, yes, I am committed. I will go to the ends of of the earth for you. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and those that you love this day and forever. Amen. <laughs>